you're an avid social media user, you may see the occasional post that says something along the lines of your film star name generator or your movie star name generator. I was going to show you some slides, but when I, when I was looking on Facebook, I couldn't find one that was appropriate enough to put on the screen, so we'll ignore that. Um, but sometimes we think, do these sort of names reflect who we really are? I wonder if you've been given a nickname anytime. Does that name reflect who you are? Sometimes nicknames say a lot about us, don't they? Or maybe, like for me, with my friends, your nickname comes down to some unfortunate incident that happened one time that they never let go. Many folk are known widely by their nicknames. For example, there he's there. I didn't know that Rich Proctor's name was Rich Proctor till about two or three years after I met him. Or folk like Reginald Dwight. Does anybody know who he is? Reginald Dwight? Who is he? Elton John, commonly known as Elton John, okay? Not Rich Proctor. Or folk like Dwayne Johnson, do you know who he is? The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. There's a nickname that does reflect a person. That guy's massive, isn't he? Okay, so what about being given a nickname that's not who you were or who you are now, but who you will be? There's a thought. So, just as a little bit of context here, we're doing a little series where we're looking at different people who encounter the person of Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. Um, Last week, we met a guy called Andrew. This week, we're introduced to a guy called Simon. Let's just read it quickly. Um, John chapter 1. Let's read from verse 35. Why not? The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So we met Andrew last week. Now we're introduced to Simon. I don't know how well you know Simon. Let me introduce him to you, okay? Simon was a fisherman by trade, often pulling shifts through the night to get his work done. And he lives in a little fishing village called Galilee. Um, And the Bible tells us that he has a mother-in-law doing the maths. That tells us he had a wife at some point. And he had his faith. Like Every other Jew at the time was living under the oppression of the Romans and was awaiting liberation, the Messiah to come and liberate them and restore the kingdom of Israel back to God's people. In other words, Simon was just an average, hard-working Jewish guy. 
And he has a brother, Andrew. And he spends the day with Jesus. And in verse 41, it says that the first thing that Andrew did when he had his life-changing encounter with Jesus was go and get his brother and tell his brother, we've found the Messiah. And he brings Simon to Jesus. So first, let's just take a moment looking at the calling of Peter. Now, all the gospel writers choose to focus on slightly different aspects of Jesus and Simon's first interaction, okay? We just read from Luke's gospel, where Jesus said to Simon, the fisherman, do not be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. Matthew and Mark record Jesus saying the same thing, I will send you out to fish for people. And then in John's gospel, Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Do you spot that? In every one of these accounts, Jesus says to Simon, here's what I'm going to make you. Here's who you're going to be. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to form you and I'm going to give you a new purpose. And this is the whole trajectory of Simon's life and ministry. Jesus says, I will send you out. I will send you out to fish for people. You will fish for people. John's gospel. You're Simon. You will be Cephas. Do you get that? And this is a strange interaction, isn't it? What is a Cephas? (laughs) Is Jesus changing this guy's name? See, this name that Jesus gives Simon, it's not really a name, it's a word. It's Cephas is Aramaic for the word rock. John tells us that in Greek it's Petros, which is where we get the name Peter from. I don't know if there's any Peters in here, but you can, if, uh, fun fact, the name Peter didn't exist until Jesus gives it to Simon. So if your name is Peter, you can thank Jesus for inventing your name. But I guess we could say here that it's more of a nickname that Jesus gives them. And so whenever we read the, uh, the Bible and whenever the gospel writers use the name Peter, we should hear it as if though they're calling him the rock or rocky. But notice as well that we're not even told how Simon responds to Jesus making this comment. But we do know that Simon takes this name on as his own. Sometimes he's referred to as Simon. More so, he's called Simon Peter, Simon the Rock. I really want to keep making wrestling references here and call him Simon the Rock Johnson or something. But, But even to many of us, right, he's commonly known as just Peter. This week, this interaction between Jesus and Peter Reminded me of the scene in the first Harry Potter film where Hagrid says to Harry, you know, you're a wizard, Harry. And Harry's like, I'm a what? I'm just Harry. Well, just Harry. But it's like Jesus here says to Simon, Simon, just Simon. You're going to be a rock. A bit cheesy, I know. But what is going on in this interaction? It is odd. Jesus has just met this guy, and so why is he overruling this guy's own name? One commentator points out 
that the focus is much less on what this name change means for Peter, but more so on the Jesus who knows people thoroughly and not only sees into them, but he calls them, that he makes them what he calls them to be. Let me say that again. Jesus calls them, that he makes them what he calls them to be. And throughout everything that Peter would see over the next three or so years of his life, Jesus would be equipping and shaping, transforming, fashioning him to be his part that he has for him, the rock. See, Jesus calls Simon to be his disciple because Jesus knows exactly what Simon is like. Not because he's already qualified to be a leader or, you know, um, because he's already got himself sorted out. And certainly not because he knows he'll never let him down. Like I said, Jesus calls Simon because he knows exactly what Simon is like. This name Rocky that Jesus gives him is more of a diagnosis on Simon's personality. We see that in two ways. Firstly, he's rocky in how he speaks. Secondly, he's rocky in how he acts. Let's just take them really briefly in turn. He's rocky in how he speaks. Pastor John MacArthur puts it this way. I thought it was quite funny. That Peter here has a habit of revving his mouth while his brain is still in neutral. End quote. Simon's a bit of a, a verbal contortionist, a verbal gymnast, and a special move is getting his foot in his mouth. Simon often speaks on behalf of the other disciples, whether they like it or not. Simon's either on fire and he hits the nail right on the head, or he's that mate that you went out with and you really wish he would just keep his mouth shut because he always seems to get you into some sort of trouble. Secondly, he's rocky in how he acts. He often acts a bit irrationally. Sometimes he's just straight up violent. Simon's a bit like a firework that's been lit on a windy day. When we talk about people having this flight or fight response, don't we? Simon has this weird, messy mix of both these things. Sometimes he's fisticuffs and sometimes he's legging it. There are times where Simon the Rock is more like Rocky Balboa than he is singing Rockabye Baby. I tried to be cool with words there, but it didn't really work. But, but we see this in Simon's character all throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And yet, despite all these things, the Apostle Paul would later refer to him as being a pillar of the church. Jesus would call him the rock on which he would build his church. So what changes? What changes in his life? Well, the title of our series, He Encounters Jesus. So, secondly, we're going to look at Peter's experience, the experience of Peter. And what we're going to do with the rest of our time, if it's okay, is we're going to read from God's word together. We believe that God has spoken to us 
in the Bible. And so we're going to allow the Bible to preach to us. And I'll chip in every so often. And we're going to look at a few key moments throughout the Gospels. Moments where we see Simon being Peter the Rock, for better and for worse. We're going to see his rocky faith, his rocky emotions, his rocky personality. But we're going to see his firm, sturdy commitment to Jesus. We're going to see this guy going from extreme to extreme. So, if you've got a Bible, if you don't, this is a good time to grab one. I know we say that every Sunday, make sure you've got a Bible, but it's never been more important because we're going to use it. Um, They're just at the back if you need one. Feel free to try and follow me, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. But if not, just listen, just hear God's word. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew (coughs) chapter 16. Matthew 16 recounts a time where Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say I am? And then he directs the question to them. He says, what about you? Who do you say I am? Chapter 16, verse 16, Simon, the rock, answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus' face lights up. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Get this, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. You are the rock. And on this rock I will build my church. Oh, he gets it. Peter gets it. He knows who Jesus is. Praise God. He understands. This is why Jesus calls him Peter. You're you're a rock. I'm going to build on this. What you've just said, that is a firm foundation. Just look further down the page. Chapter 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. No! Not happening. Verse 22. Peter, the rock, took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, this this shall never happen to you. You're not dying. You can't die. You're the Messiah. See, Peter's the one here who stands up to Jesus, who stands up to God and says, God, what what are you playing at? What, What are you doing? Verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, the rock, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. Once again, this is why Jesus calls him Peter. Yeah, you're a rock, but I'm tripping over you right now. You're not being the right sort of rock. Do you see Peter going from one extreme to the other? He gets it. 
He doesn't. Okay, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 21. Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. What, what does he mean betray? What? How? Who? What? John tells us that Peter was the one to say, Psst, John, ask him. Ask him who it is. Verse 33. My children, Jesus says, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. The other gospel writers include some more details of this this interaction where Peter declares, even if all fall away, I will not. I'm the rock. I'm the stable one. Don't worry about me. Verse 38. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Lay down your life for me tonight. You're going to deny even knowing me. If you hear those words as Peter would have heard them, so sure that it wasn't him. I'm, I'm hanging around. I'll show him. I'll prove it. So that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, John chapter 18, just a few pages over. Soldiers and officials come to arrest Jesus with torches and with weapons, presumably expecting a fight from this political rebel and his band of merry men. And yet Jesus willingly gives himself over to them. Verse 10. Then Simon the rock, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. See here, this isn't just typical Peter acting out. This is trying to prove a point, Peter, acting out. See here, in this moment, this is the absolute epitome of this name, of the reason Jesus has given him this name. Where we see this blended, messy mixture of Simon's attempt at firm loyalty to Jesus and yet his utter belligerent stupidity. 
His brain's either working at a million miles an hour or he's not thinking at all. He sees for a moment Jesus is in danger. Oh man, this is what he was talking about. I need to prove myself. I need to do something. He's going to die. He grabs his sword. He takes a swing at the priest. Presumably the, 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 the servant ducks his head out of the way and he cuts off his ear instead. And Jesus says, no. Not like this. Verse 11. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? Peter, I told you this was happening. Don't get in the way of this. Oh man, if only Peter knew what Jesus was about to take on himself for Peter. Reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. In verse 54. Luke 22, verse 54. Just in the same moment. Seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, the rock, followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This, this man was with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I, I, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with them, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the cock crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. He's, Peter's certainly not a man of his word, is he? But he's a man of Jesus' words. Jesus said this would happen. Now I'm just speculating, but I, I, I wonder if just for a moment, Peter considers the thought that he's the one Jesus said would betray him. <coughs> it was me. And he heard me. And that look on his face, Jesus' face burned into Peter's mind as he turns to him. And this is the last time that Peter would see Jesus alive. And Peter's thinking, he's my friend, and his last memory of me is the fact that I just denied even knowing him. 
And Peter would go on to only hear of how his Lord was so brutally crucified and died and was buried. Because along with all the other disciples, Peter legs it. He's gone. Peter goes, as we read in Luke's gospel, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. To elsewhere saying, to whom shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. The same man goes from saying to Jesus, I will never leave you, even if everyone else does, to that same night saying, I don't even know him. Is Peter the fallen rock? Peter the absolute landslide? Imagine then, three days later, the news comes to Peter and the others that Jesus is alive. (laughs) Oh man, what is he going to say? What would Jesus have to say to the one who let him down in his final hour? You know that feeling of letting your boss down? My office, nine o'clock Monday morning. John, chapter 21. This is the last one, I promise. John, chapter 21. This is the resurrected Jesus and his disciples sharing together, having a barbecue on the beach, breakfast. John 21, verse 15, they share a meal together. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Oh man, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Simon the Rock, Simon, do you love me? doesn't tell him off (laughs) you know twice this week I've heard one from a brother one from a sister that uh, that phrase you know I was absolutely dreading it but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be oh how true for Peter Peter is recommissioned as an apostle by the very one that he let down and Jesus here addresses him Exactly how he addresses them at the start of John's gospel that we read together. Simon, son of John, you will be Cephas. Here he says, Simon, son of John, remember who you were before I met you? Do you love me more than these? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yeah. Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. See, of all these things that Peter experiences, 
the greatest thing is the grace of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus, who uses all these things, uses Peter's very character, molds him, shapes him, refines him, transforms him. The good bits and the bad bits. The testimony here is not, get this, the testimony here is not that Peter learned from his mistakes and went on to do good. The testimony here is that it was the grace of God that restored Peter. And Jesus was ready to do so. And all the things that Peter said, I'll never leave you, I'll lay down my life for you. All these things go on to be true. Just look at verse 18. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter, the rock, would glorify God. And Peter goes on to be a prominent leader in the early church. You can read about some of his ministry in the book of Acts, which is just over the page. And he goes on to write two letters of the New Testament. And tradition and history tell us that Peter himself was crucified in Rome for Jesus' sake. And what a privilege for Peter to be so restored, to be able to fulfill his words to the Lord Jesus that he would lay down his life for him. What a privilege for Peter. I've been really helped by John MacArthur um, as I've been preparing this. John MacArthur summarizes this transformation by Peter. He says this, it's quite long, but bear with me. Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than any other name except Jesus. No one speaks as often as Peter and no one is spoken to by the Lord as often as Peter. No disciple is so frequently rebuked by the Lord as Peter. And no disciple ever rebukes the Lord but Peter. No one else confessed Christ more boldly or acknowledged his lordship more explicitly. explicitly. And yet no other disciple verbally denied Christ as forcibly or as publicly as Peter did. No one is praised and blessed by Christ the way Peter was. And yet Peter was the only, was also the only one Christ ever addressed as Satan. The Lord had harsher things to say to Peter than he ever said to any of the others. All these things contributed to making him the leader that Christ wanted him to be. We've looked at Peter's calling. We've looked at Peter's experience. Finally, let's look at the example of Peter. But don't get confused. We don't preach Peter here. We preach Jesus. So for the last few moments, that's where I want to focus our attention. Three things, I'll be very quick. Firstly, Jesus calls people like Peter. Knowing full well every way that he would live up to his name. Rocky. A bit rough around the edges. A stumbling block. 
but robust, firm, determined. See, Jesus is willing to take risks on people like Peter because he will use every bit of who you are and transform you and repurpose you for his purposes. And you're not expected to be the finished article to come to him. But Jesus calls you and he'll work in you to make you what he needs you to be. If you're not a Christian, would you hear that call from the Lord Jesus? Secondly, Jesus died for people like Peter, knowing full well every way that he would live up to that name. Knowing every way he would let him down. Jesus being willing to take on the punishment for every way that Peter (coughs) fell into sin and would fall into sin. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus knows and he sees every part of you. Jesus says, I'm not, he doesn't say, I'm not dying for him, I'm not dying for her. He sees every bit of you. Every way you've already let him down, every way you, all, you will. And yet he was willing to die in your place to make you right with God. As the words of the great Puritan says, there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Thirdly and finally, Jesus gives confidence to people like Peter. Knowing full well every way that he would live up to his name. The good and the bad. Maybe this, is, this one's a bit more out there. But do you see that the example that Peter sets here for us gives us confidence as we approach the Christian life, as we approach ministry, in our evangelism, in our discipleship. Because we're going to say and do the wrong things. Our tongues, our hands, our feet are going to act way faster than our brains will. We'll rub each other up the wrong way. We're going to ask the wrong questions. We're going to give the wrong answers. And Jesus knew all of that would be true of Simon Peter. And that it, would be, that it would be true of every one of us. Now, I'm not saying that gives us freedom to just run around like a bull in a china shop. But I'm saying that we can be brave to go out and figure out who Jesus is. And don't be scared to go out and ask the wrong questions. And to be blunt and say things as they are. Jesus, I don't get that. That's weird. <laughs> Oh, just know that no question or comment is too silly. We've got such a safety net in the gospel that we are never going to be cast out for putting our foot in it. Just consider how far Peter fell and how the Lord Jesus so graciously was ready to receive him and restore him.